Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Fasting isn't the hero of the day. Fasting is a tool that you use to let your body repair. And then when you go to eat, you're going to bring food back into the equation to continue that nourishment state. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Today, I have Dr. Mindy Pels, who is a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, and a nutrition and functional health expert who's spent two decades helping thousands of people successfully reclaim their health. She's a recognized leader in the alternative health field and a pioneer in the fasting movement, teaching the principles of fasting lifestyle, diet variation, detox, hormones, and more. Her popular YouTube channel, which just celebrated 23 million lifetime views, regularly updates followers on the latest science-backed tools and techniques to help them reset their health. She's host of one of the leading science podcasts, The Resetter Podcast, and author of three best-selling books, The Menopause Reset, The Reset Factor, and The Reset Kitchen. And her current book, published with Hay House Fast Like a Girl, is it's actually out now. She's appeared on national shows like Extra TV, The Doctors, and has been featured in Muscle and Fitness, Well and Good, She Knows, Healthline, and more. Welcome, Dr. Pels. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I like that you're you've hung your hat on the reset, right? It's like the reset <laughs> for menopause and the resetter kitchen. And yeah. I find and this is a good way to talk about diet sometimes mm-hmm. instead of like, hey, I'm going to do an intentional reset. I'm going to do this for a period of yeah. time. I'm going to see how it goes. I talk about this like, are we doing are we shifting things really long term? Are we going about this with curious optimism or are we kind of going into it with like a desperation of air of a desperation? Mm. And of course, we're usually moved by desperation, but that can can be a really challenging place to oh, kind of yeah. start from, right? So I like the concept of reset, which where did, how did it happen that you kind of got into this niche, the reset, the the fasting, like when did that happen? How did, did you decide this is where I'm going to spend my time and, and focus? You know, it, it's so funny that you asked me that question because 
I am not like I write about this in Fast Like a Girl. I'm like, I have no idea how I stumbled upon this. And it's been the greatest blessing of my life for my own personal health and for the patients that I've worked with. So I would say 10 years ago, I was going through menopause or going through perimenopause, like starting to see some hormonal shifts and was searching for answers for myself and stumbled upon intermittent fasting. And at the time, Dr. Osumi, his work, he had just won the Nobel Prize in medicine and physiology for the term autophagy. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the way we looked at autophagy was that it was going without, in the absence of food, that the cells would turn within and start to repair themselves, get rid of the broken parts, eat the parts inside that were not uh, serving it anymore and would make itself stronger. And that was Dr. Osumi's work. And people fell in love with this idea of autophagy and intermittent fasting. So he was the door in to me understanding what was happening at a cellular level. And then about that time, Jason Fung's book came out, The Obesity Code. And I think Jason's work really helped us see that weight loss was not a calorie in, calorie out issue. It was more of a hormonal issue. So both of those men really started my fascination with the science of fasting. And I started using it with my patients and got insane results, like better than supplements, better than any other therapy I'd ever seen. As I taught them to fast, I was able to see inflammation go down, weight loss resistance went away, hormones were balanced, and it was crazy. So, and I started getting the same similar results on myself. And long story short, that all morphed into me to go into YouTube and sharing the science with the world. And then I had hundreds of thousands of people tell me their results with fasting. And here we are seven years later from that real initial time that I went to YouTube to explain what I was seeing in my clinic. And we, I mean, we've just seen a world explode into loving fasting and it's just worked so well for so many people. So that was really like, you know, a long-winded answer to my door in, but it was multifaceted. Yeah. Well, you're not the first person who's come on here to talk about the benefits of fasting in perimenopause and how Mm -hmm. that was kind of life-changing for them also. But on the note of fasting like a girl, and I'll come back to some of that science around autophagy because I want to get into that a little bit more. But to kind of start that, one of the arguments is that fasting research is more done on men than women. What would you say about that? Oh, it's a thousand percent true. It's either done on men mice or they'll there's some very interesting studies that mix men and women to get put like a collective group together and study intermittent fasting one of the most famous studies on that was a couple of years back it came out that intermittent fasting was not a valuable tool for weight loss and when i dove into the sample size it was like a couple hundred people which was impressive but it was everything from a 17 year old man to a 65-year-old woman. You should never look at the, the at the differences in hormones and weight loss. You can't compare those two. So here's the problem. We're hard to study. 
you know, I used to feel like, why don't we have more research on us? But if you look at what needs to be done properly is you would need to take all the postmenopausal women and study them together. You would need to take all the women that are ovulating at the same time and study them together. Like you would need to hormonally match us up to be able to see accurately how anything is working on a woman's body. So I really think we're just difficult to study. Mm-hmm. Well, anecdotally, you have a lot of experience oh, with, with women. So yeah. let's jump into that a little bit. So I kind of look at this as both sides. And I worked in a fasting program in 2017. So I saw, so I was very familiar with that science and what it can do and how it's increasing butyrate and all of these things. But there's also kind of like two sides of this coin. So let's talk about the positive first, which is, uh-huh. you know, why does it work well in perimenopause? What shifts are happening where fasting comes in and kind of in some ways saves the day or can be a saving grace in that particular population. Okay. So let's start with this concept that women have three sex hormones that have to be tended to when we fast, men have one. So we've got estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. When you go into your perimenopausal years, estrogen is going to go on a wild ride. There's going to be highs, really incredible highs, and there's going to be incredible dips. And it's as we move through the perimenopausal years, the dips become more common, the highs start to go away. So we really look at it as an estrogen roller coaster, but it's also leading to actual estrogen decline. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing about estrogen. When estrogen goes down, you become more insulin resistant. Mm-hmm. So for the woman who goes into her 40s and is struggling to lose weight, really fasting is your tool to be able to start to unstick weight loss. And that's what we've seen. I mean, I wish I had a way to count up how much weight has been lost just from people watching my YouTube videos. But it's pretty profound when you are dealing with an estrogen decline and you've got a woman who is insulin and weight loss resistant. When you teach her to fast, she does amazing and can drop weight. Here's the rub. And this is where I really, one of the major premises of Fast Like a Girl is progesterone doesn't want you to fast. Progesterone actually wants glucose to be higher. So when we're dealing with the perimenopausal woman, sometimes we're going to have estrogen that needs you to throw a fast at it and so that you can become more insulin sensitive. And sometimes you're going to need to back away from fasting so you can make sure that you're not tanking progesterone. So there's a real art for that those perimenopausal women to know when to fast and when not to fast. But it's not as simple as let's just fast all the time. Right. So I want to get into that and then we can maybe go into some of these other areas, right? So it, I find that it like comes out a lot in perimenopause because as hormones decline, we start to develop abdominal adiposity more, right? And get that yep. insulin resistance. Yep. But then the other side is who is fasting not for? And you just brought it up. It's like, if your progesterone is already low, which I feel like we have an epidemic of low progesterone yep. because of stress, right? but also if you're adrenal, so it's a, I love the concept of your body repairing itself, unless it's already so malnourished where the adrenals are fried and it's not repairing itself. Would you agree with that? Or do you feel like you don't see that as much? I mean, the question really is, who is fasting not for? How do you know that this is actually going to kind of backfire and it may not be very awesome at all for you? 
Yeah, that is a multi-pronged answer. So Mm -hmm. let me start with the first, which is one thing that we know with the adrenal fatigued person. And this, I will tell you that as I started to look at fasting more, my first initial thought was this would not be for the adrenal fatigued person. That Mm -hmm. was originally my thought until I started to play with the principles of what I call a fasting lifestyle with my patients. And what I noticed is if you just gave them a little bit of a fasting stressor, we call that a hormetic stress, Mm -hmm. where you just apply a little bit of a good stress, the adrenals actually repaired themselves. So let's take an adrenal fatigue person. If all of a sudden they've been only fasting, the longest they've ever done is eight hours. If I had them go eight and a half hours of fasting and we did that for a couple of weeks and then we moved to nine hours, we did that for a couple of weeks, then we moved to 10 and we slowly moved them into an intermittent fasting window, the adrenals actually repaired. And it wasn't so much the, remember with adrenals, you got the whole HPA access. Mm -hmm. So you've got the hypothalamus and pituitary that also repaired itself and the whole feedback loop improved. So I got in my clinic better results with adrenal fatigue people doing that than even with supplements. Mm -hmm. So it was, that was a real interesting insight to really be clear on who fasting is not for. I would say it's not for the pregnant woman. It needs to be modified for the nursing woman. And we can go into that if you want to know why. And then it also, the woman that's got eating disorders, I feel like you need to really walk through, and that would be both men and women that have eating disorders. You really need to walk through the fasting process with somebody who's like a therapist or a doctor or a coach of some kind to make sure that it's not triggering any old patterns. Mm Mm-hmm. Whenever I think about adrenals, I think about thyroid as well. And I think about there's kind of an entire movement now talking about under eating and sluggish thyroid and not feeding enough carbs and what that has done. What is your thought process? And if you have seen what I want to say about how you talked about adrenal fatigue issues is that that was a very slow process, right? Yeah. For a couple of, you know, it was eight hours because if you have true HPA axis dysfunction or adrenal fatigue, whatever word we want to use here, right? You may not be producing things like DHEA very well to help control blood sugar, which we're already, blood sugar is already kind of a roller coaster mess, right? Yeah. <laughs> in, the, yeah. in this population right. we're conversing about. So I want to talk a little bit before we depart from adrenal stuff, also about thyroid and your experience with mm-hmm. how that is affected with fasting. Yeah. Okay. So thyroid is another really interesting one. And I've spent a lot of time studying this and testing out some of the theories. So the first thing I want to say is that when you hear somebody say fasting is not for thyroid, when I dive into the research that those clinicians or scientists have made that declaration on, and I click on those studies that they're citing, they are citing calorie restriction fasting. The fasting that I advocate for is time restriction. It is not calorie restriction. I believe in feast, famine, cycling. So the first thing is if you have a thyroid issue, you have to make sure that when you fast, you're obviously fasting, but then when you eat, you're eating and you're eating good, nutritious food and you're getting plenty of calories. So that's the first thing there. The Mm -hmm. second studies that I would cite are when they looked at what it did to specifically to the T3 production, they found that T3 tanked went down when somebody was in a fasted state. 
That was what one study showed that was became very popular. So people went, oh my gosh, T3 hormones down. But then another study went and looked beyond that and found that once you brought food back into the equation, that T3 actually doubled. So one of the biggest challenges that we have with fasting research is we are looking only at what's happening in the fasting window and we're not addressing what happens when somebody brings food back into the equation. They're both sides of that conversation are massively important. Fasting isn't the hero of the day. Fasting is a tool that you use to let your body repair. And then when you go to eat, you're going to bring food back into the equation to continue that nourishment state. Mm-hmm. So that that's one of my the biggest things I've seen on thyroid. And honestly, what we've seen in my clinic, what we saw online or we see on my online community is if you combine a fasting lifestyle where you're varying your fast, you're varying your foods, you combine that with some really good detox protocols that most people then have to adjust their thyroid medication. They actually have to bring their thyroid medication down because that whole system starts to repair itself. Mm, That was really helpful. And I think the main underline there is you're advocating for time restriction on eating, not calorie restriction. I think this happens all the time. The problem that I see, or that I think the most common mistake I have seen with fasting over the years is we're just so human that we don't eat. And so, but that doesn't work. It's not like you're, it's not like you're getting like a go past go and go to the next, like you're not getting a get out of jail free card. No, in you're not. Here. Yes. You still need to eat the same amount of food. It's just that it's done in a different time to fashion. So you have more time between meals. So autophagy can kick in. And let's yes. talk about the windows around that. I have a lot of things I want to talk about from, from what you just, my first question was, oh, was the research done in women or was it all in men and mice out of curiosity? Like, yeah, you know because- what? I could go back. I could go back and find it. It was most likely done on mice or done on a mixed group because there's only about three or four studies on fasting in women. So yeah, it was probably done on that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about windows. So you often fasting gets talked about in like 16, eight and all of these things. So let's talk about windows. And you talked nicely about with adrenal issues, just being really slow and steady eight hours, eight and a half hours, nine hours. I mean, that's not very common to hear someone talk about that really slow and steady, but it's nice to hear you talk about Mm -hmm. slow and steady. It's kind of how we have to think about things in general in life (laughs) is like, well, if we're going to jump straight from one to the other. So let's talk about some of these different intervals And when does autophagy really start to kick in, which is what we're going for. So here's the best way to to really understand the windows is when you eat, you're now you're operating and building energy from your sugar burners energy system. So blood sugar goes up. The cells use that for energy and the mitochondria need they make energy. They need glucose. So after a meal, the blood sugar starts to drop. Usually about eight hours, you're going to go back to a pretty steady, like you're in a fasted state. We should see your blood sugar go back to its normal pre-meal amount at about two hours. But at about eight hours, your body is going to start to do this thing where it switches over into the fat burning energy system where it is going to make ketones. The scientific name or the way that many people refer to that is the ketogenic energy system. So at eight hours, what we have clinically found is that's about the time that you start to make the switch. 
But what we're seeing is that for most people, the benefits of fasting don't really kick in until about 13 hours. And at 13 hours, you're, most people will start to see a little bit of a presence of some ketones. Ketones are fuel for the brain. They're fuel for the mitochondria. So they can start to give you a little more energy. They can kill hunger. Usually about 13 hours, you can see somebody's hunger maybe starting to go away. It can actually, ketones can go up and really be fuel for the brain. So sometimes mental clarity kicks in. But, you know, the, everybody's variable on that. We can talk about the variable, why people vary on that. About 15 hours in, you're starting to see growth hormone go up. And growth hormone slows aging down and it helps you burn fat. So this is why a 15-hour intermittent fasting lifestyle tends to have people losing weight. About 17 hours, now the body's going, oh my gosh, okay, that we haven't had any blood sugar spikes, so we better get more efficient. We better clean these cells up. And so at about 17 hours, autophagy kicks in. Now, I want to point out that all of these, as I go along these time periods, it's, think of it like switches. Each, each marker is giving you another healing mechanism. And 17 hours is, when I say these hours, they're like estimates because everybody has a little different variation to it. But autophagy kicks in at 17, typically. At 24 hours, we know that we start to see intestinal stem cells get repaired, 36 hours, you can actually, there's some really interesting research showing that at 36 hours, the body really starts to burn stubborn fat, specifically around the midsection. And that was an interesting study where they did 36 hours of fasting on and 12 hours of eating, and then 36 hours of fasting, 12 hours of eating. That was done on humans, and that was done for 30 days, and they saw a significant decrease in belly fat specifically. Then 48 hours, we see the dopamine system get rebooted. We see antioxidants for longevity come in. And at 72 hours, we released what Walter Longo's research was rebooting the whole immune system. So that progression, I call it six different level fasts. They each have different research attached to it. Some of it is mice research. Some of it is mixed research. Some of it is female research. But the way I like to teach fasting is that the longer you go, the more healing happens. And you get to choose how much healing you want based off of how long you want to fast. Mm -hmm. Maybe on day one, don't jump straight into a 36-hour fast. Oh, 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 for sure. This and is what would happen if someone did that, right? What would happen? <laughs> how would they feel? How would they yeah, feel? I mean, you can, your body will know what to do, but you may struggle. Mm -hmm. But for sure, I always say it's, this is why we do fast training weeks on my social platforms. Every month we take five days and we practice it together as a community. It's a muscle you want to exercise for sure. Mm -hmm. Talking about fasting and some of these even longer fasts, I want to talk a little bit about cycling fasting and how appropriate. I think there's a lot of lot of answers to this question. But if someone is kind of intrigued by benefits, but this isn't something they want to be doing all of the time, right? right. Then how many days would you maybe recommend that they consider playing with this? Maybe per yeah. month or even how often per year? That's the first question. Okay, great. So the first thing I always recommend is play with just intermittent fasting. Get yourself to 13 to 15 hours. Do that every day. Try that for 30 days and just play with that principle, with the exception being the adrenal fatigue person that we spoke of. 
but that your first job is to get to know this fat burner energy system. Most people have not gone more than eight hours without food. So we want to start by just getting to know what it feels like to intermittent fast. After you've done that for uh, you know a couple of weeks to a month, then you've got to go into this idea of feast, famine, cycling. Just like we weren't meant to eat all day, we were not meant to fast all the time. And I will tell you one of the biggest ahas that I had when I first started teaching the principles on YouTube is all the people that fell in love with the obesity code became the, I call them the O-matters, the one meal a day people. Mm -hmm. And all they did is eat one meal a day. And then they found their way to my YouTube channel and their hair was falling out. They were not losing weight. They got, in fact, in some cases, they were starting to gain weight back. That was the person that wasn't getting their thyroid was going off. Like all the, the that's dark what I see side. Too. <laughs> yeah. That's all the dark side of fasting showed up and they meandered onto my page because I was teaching how to do this feast famine cycling at, at that time. So once you got it down for a month, the next logical man or woman, well, let's start with men. I would encourage men to do what I call a five, one, one where five days a week, you just intermittent fast, 13 to 15 hours, make it easy on yourself. One day a week, stretch that fast to whatever length you want. If you want to burn more fat, go, you know, you can try to go to that 36 hour mark. And then one day a week, don't fast. And I think that's a really good way to start practice feast famine cycling. And then women, this is the whole premise of fast like a girl is if you have a cycle, you're going to want to time your fast around your cycle. And mm. the first part of your cycle, first 10 days, you can throw some longer fasts at it. Ovulation, you got a lot of hormones coming in. I recommend you bring your fast down. I don't like it to be longer than 15 hours during ovulation. And then when we go the week before our period, when progesterone is coming in, no fasting. So with a cycling woman, we want to mimic it to her hormonal cycle. For a postmenopausal woman, she's going to need two days of no fasting a week because she's got to really mind progesterone. And those are just cookie cutter examples. And to your point, when you're looking at making this a lifestyle, there's a rhythm that you're going to find naturally for you. And the rhythm I can tell you for me as a 53-year-old woman is some days I do a, I throw a one meal a day. Some days I, I only do 13 hours. Some days I don't fast. It's, there's a, a rhythm that I have found that I know works for my hormones. And I, I clue into my symptoms to be able to use those to guide me. Since we were talking about time restriction and not calorie restriction, when you're doing OMAD or one meal a day, are you getting in your full range of calories in that one meal or is that a day you are not? Well, I'm I'm a meat eater. So yeah, the typical, my favorite go-to meal is a big steak, a big sweet potato and a whole lot of salad. If I feel like I didn't get enough in in that one meal a day, then I will, you know, for greens, because that greens will help you break down estrogen. I will throw in like a Organifi's green juice or something like that. Sometimes I'll throw it in in my fasting window if it doesn't spike my blood sugar. So we talked about fasting as more of a lifestyle right there. And we've talked a lot about fasting as a weight loss tool, which is not, you know, it was kind of like a happy accident that happened. Really, of course, yeah. autophagy first is looking at cellular cleanup. And I think about that as a huge part of just anti-aging and cancer prevention and all of the things. And that's kind of been heavy on my heart as I've had so many clients coming in with just 
young cancer lately. And so I want to think about mm-hmm. autophagy from a different angle from health benefits. I, I don't think we're always as motivated by things that we don't have going on, right? People people right. are motivated by weight. So I'm just going to acknowledge our human behavior. I think it's good to, for us to acknowledge yeah. that. But let's say someone wants to do some fasting to get benefits. I mean, would doing things one week a month be a reasonable area for, hey, this is going to still give me some benefit? Because you just talked about lots of ways to do it, right? Where it's kind of like, you know, and this is easy for you. You've been working on it for like seven years. Right. (laughs) Right. So it's not easy to teach though. I'll tell you No, it's not. It's not. (laughs) And I think that's, you know, you and I are both coming from a place where we, you understand this more than I do. I was part of this world for a while. And then I saw the sluggish thyroid and all of the other things and the under eating really come. So that's why I want to underline the time restriction, not calorie restriction. That's just a thing that happens when people do diets. They, they initially they're very excited and they do a maybe a beautiful job. Let's pretend someone goes vegan. They're like, oh, I'm eating all the plants. And then before you know it, it's like noodles, you know, yeah. because that's right. that's the right, opposite. right. Oh my God, that's so true. It's it is. So true. It's yeah. so true. It's it's just <laughs> I see it all the time, right? It's yeah. just like, oh, I was doing so great, but life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah. So let's say someone just wants to do something really intentional for like medical benefit is once a month, once every couple of months. Like if someone wants to just schedule. Hey, I'm going to do a little bit of fasting because I really want to like up my autophagy because that's like a real biohacker nerdy thing to say right there, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to increase my autophagy, (laughs) you know, intermittently to prevent some disease and decay and all of those things. And what does that look like where, you know, this person doesn't want to focus on it all the time. They actually focus on the rest of their life, right? But they still want the benefits from it. Yeah. What are what the minimums look like? Yeah. You know what? Here's what I want to say is every diet works when you first do it. Mm -hmm. And this is how the body, this is what I'm really wanting to get people out of that. There's a one size fits all diet for you Mm -hmm. because one of the problems with everything that we do in health is we do it the first time we do it, we get a result and we're like, that's amazing. I must do Mm -hmm. this over and over and over and over again. And we either decide we're going to do it over and over again until we can't handle the discipline anymore. And to your point, we go, we fall off Mm -hmm. or until it stops working and then we villainize it. Mm -hmm. So I just want to point out Mm -hmm. that every diet, every fast, every supplement, every exercise needs to be done in variation. I have a personal trainer I go to. Every time I go, I get a different workout and I get different intensity. Everybody understands that's how you build your muscles stronger. Why don't we do that with diet and fasting? So that would be the first thing. Now, to answer your question around, could we just do it once a month? Absolutely. I mean, Walter Longo's study on his second study that he did on type 1 and type 2 diabetes, he did five days a month of the fast mimicking diet, which is really calorie restriction and protein restriction. Mm -hmm. And he did that three months in a row, five days, three months in a row. And he started to see pancreatic cells regrow. Mm -hmm. And so that was only five days. I don't know what they did the rest of the month, but they weren't in that restriction phase. That wasn't even time restriction. That was small doses of calorie restriction. Mm -hmm. So to your point, absolutely. If that's what it feels good for you. That is really one of my big messages with fasting is do it your way. Don't do it the way your friend told you to do it. Don't do it the way that some a fasting expert is telling you to do it. Play with the principles. In Fast Like a Girl, I have six different fasts. I have two different eating styles. I show you how to time them to your hormones. 
be playful with that. It's I'm not here to say my way is the right way. I'm here to say this is an incredible tool and use it however you want to use it, but understand all of the different nuances that come along with using this tool. Mm-hmm. What I like about you is that you've got a lot of curious optimism and good energy and you're not dogmatic about it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is important. And I really want to underline also and put in bold that variation. So there's a lot of options. Variation. Yeah. So one thing with fasting that is cool is that it's very low cost, right? Yeah. It, you know, it's like almost it's essentially free-ish, right? Right. But there's a little education and being patient and understanding how it's going to respond in your own body. I think yeah. that's a little bit of the trade-off is that yeah. you are going to take some time and you're going to do that anyway with your health, right? Like, yeah, this is your life. Like right. You are going to, if you're going to do an intentional experiment, you got to kind of know where you're headed a little bit right. and like stop and reassess every once yeah. in a while. Agreed. So it would be beautiful and easy to close there, but I have a few rapid fire questions that I think yeah, are going to come up because these are just things that I saw a lot in the past. When you were talking about these different fasts, people always want to know about exercising. You know, how should I alter my exercising? What would you say to that? In the shorter fasts, I think it's a great idea to exercise in a fasted state. You're going to burn more fat that way if you're looking for that. If you're looking to burn fat, it's it can be an incredible tool. I always recommend that if you're going to work out in a fasted state, come home and break your fast with protein so that you can build muscle back up. Anything over 24 hours, I don't recommend fasting. And here's why. You're at now asking the body to, to really perform some profound healing mechanisms. So don't confuse it by throwing more exercise raises cortisol. Just don't confuse it. Anything over 24, no exercise. Under 24, yeah, now you can use it as a weight loss tool. Mm-hmm. Let it believe it's doing some harm. Don't be confusing on which thing it's supposed right. To be doing. Like right. you're sending a signal to your body. Like tell, just be aware of that. And if you send too many healing signals, now the body's like, "What?" And it's not healing. Mm-hmm. You talked about modification for nursing women. What do you want to say about that? No more than 17 hours and maybe even keep it closer to 15 because if you go into autophagy, in autophagy, the body is going to push out toxins inside the cell. So it can push out things like heavy metals and that's going to go into your circulation. It can go into your breast milk and now into your baby. So I really like keeping it under 17, more around 15 if that feels appropriate but a lot of nursing women, even 13 is fine. And it depends on your hunger levels. If you wake up and you're like, I'm going to do a 13 hour fast today and you're nine hours in and you're famished, eat because you're feeding a baby. If you wake up and you're not hungry and you can go 13 hours, great. When you hit 15, time to stop. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful because you were talking about detox earlier. And I was thinking as you shed kind of fat cells, we're releasing toxins, but you're saying, Hey, when we have autophagy, the body's going to push that out as well, which makes perfect sense. Cause it's going to try to get rid of anything that's unnecessarily right. So that's really useful. I haven't heard people talk about fasting in relationship to supporting detoxification, which is a very nutrient dense process. So yeah. thank you for bringing that up. I think that's really uh-huh. important and valuable. How about these people where in perimenopause, yes, it's working well if our estrogen's well, but on a roller coaster, but if progesterone's low, is there any red flags to look for where you're like, maybe I should back off a little bit yeah. uh, with that? I would say the biggest red flags that you're fasting too much is the spotting. So all of a sudden you start spotting and then a week later you actually get your period. And that would be for like the perimenopausal woman might notice that. 
The other thing would be like really heavy clotting once you get your period can be a sign of low progesterone or really intense, like almost like hemorrhaging, like really intense blood would be another one. Hair falling out is another one where you're all of a sudden noticing clumps of hair coming out. Typically, that means you're just not cycling your fasting enough. And it's, you know, what I have found is the hardest thing is that once uh, specifically women, when they figure out how awesome they can feel fasting, they don't want to not fast. Mm, And that you're going to have to step out, especially after 40, you're going to have to step out periodically. Mm -hmm. And in Fast Like a Girl, I put a ton of my favorite hacks for all different perimenopause and and menopausal women, because especially for the perimenopausal woman, it's, you know, sometimes we have our period every two weeks, sometimes every 60 days, like it's, there's a lot of nuance. So I tried to address all of that in the book. Yeah. Thank you for bringing this up. That's really good. I know those red flags. And I think the last one is people, you know, and I see a lot less of this now than I did a few years ago, but exogenous ketones. People are like, well, Uh, I could just take ketones. You know, are you getting any benefit when you're doing exogenous ketones? Like, what do you want to say about that? So I've been all over the map with exogenous ketones. So the first I would say is that remember that why are you using your exogenous ketones? So ketones are a sign that the body is burning fat for energy. So you putting more ketones into you doesn't equate to more fat burning. So let's start off there. Second thing is... Is it going, the question we've all had in the fasting movement is, is it going to cause the body more harm where it can now not be able to get into ketosis because you're always throwing ketones into the picture. So you're confusing the system and is the, it make the, does it make the body less metabolically flexible? I haven't seen, I can't prove that yet, but I would say that logically makes sense to me. So just if you're going to go into that path, you know, kind of a little bit of buyer beware that you may long-term be messing up your ketogenic energy system. So use it very sporadically. The last thing is I will say there are places that we see it work. And one of the places would be if somebody's trying to do a three-day water fast, they're at 48 hours and their body's struggling a little bit. If I give them a little bit of exogenous ketones, sometimes that can actually help the body move more smoothly into that fat burning system. Mm -hmm. Dabbled a little bit with kids with like learning disabilities and autism. Again, always just sporadically. This is not an everyday thing. We've dabbled in in using it with Alzheimer's patients Mm -hmm. who you might not be able to get to fast. So there are some interesting places that it's worked, but it all, I mean, if you do it every day, I really get concerned about that, but throwing it in in splashes in a therapeutic way, I really can see some benefit in in short little conditions like what I was talking about. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that. So thanks for enduring all of my kind of, I think, kind of sort of difficult questions. When fasting's been around for a while, we can't just talk about fasting 101 anymore. We have to talk about the positive negatives and and what we're seeing from it and when it can be really useful and not. And you've re-inspired me to re-look at fasting. And I'd kind of put it on the shelf for a long time because like you said, it's actually, there's, it sounds simple, but it's not simple. Right. And that's how yeah, the a lot right? of the best free things are. It's like, it sounds simpler than it is. And there's yeah. definitely going to be some nuance in how that works. Dr. Mindy, where can people find you online? 
Uh, yeah, you can go to drmindypels.com. Everything is there. Fast Like a Girl will be out at the end of December. It's ready now for pre-orders or depending on when you listen to this. You can go to fastlikeagirl.com. In that book, I literally put every question every woman has ever asked me <laughs> is in 83,000 words and a whole bunch of recipes in that book. So I'm really excited because this book was really needed. It's like takes, and I appreciate your questions because this is exactly what I put in the book is these hard questions. So good. Well, I didn't yeah. even know I needed another fasting book. So here I yeah, am. I know. Well, right. It's, you know, what's funny on that is uh, Dave Asprey, when he came out with fast, like, or fast this way, I was like, okay, this he's going to do it. And he had a whole chapter on women needing to fast differently, but he didn't say how. Mm-hmm. So I told Dave, well, I was like, <laughs> like, you have, like, why didn't you tell us how? So once I saw his book, I was like, okay, done. I'm putting down what I've learned watching at this point, millions of women go through this process. Yeah. Well, and I have to ask one last question because this is the question I get from listeners as they say, oh, that was really great, but I don't really know where to go today or from here. And so what do you want to tell people if we want to give them something tangible they can explore or consider or try or what message do you want to tell them? I love that question because as a podcaster, I'm like you, I want to put out information that people can apply. Well, in the book, I have a 30-day fasting reset that will time to a woman's hormones. A man can do it too if he wants to learn how to vary his fast. Postmenopausal women can do it. In there, there's also a pre-reset that I have people do for two weeks beforehand so that they prepare themselves for fasting. So that's a really good starting place. We do do, I have a membership group where you can come and learn how to customize it for you. Otherwise, I have so many free resources, like how to start with fasting. You can go to my website. I have like an intermittent fasting for beginners guide there. You can go to my YouTube channel and type in beginners and intermittent fasting. And there's a lot of how-to there that are free resources. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing your book. Yeah. Thank you. Food sensitivities, low energy, and skin issues can all be caused by inflammation. The root cause of inflammation is immune system imbalance. So how do you bring the immune system into balance to correct inflammatory symptoms like food sensitivities, low energy, skin issues, and a cascade of other things no one seems to have the answer to, like being sick more often than you should be, having consistently low vitamin D, B12, iron, salt and or sugar cravings, puffiness in your face or extremities, needing a daily antihistamine, losing hair but your labs are normal. The answer to these things is immune resilience, and that's the overarching goal I have when working with one-on-one clients. So how could I help? Well, I found that you want the answer to everything, so I try to be as comprehensive as possible to be a one-stop shop. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to focus on weight loss because I'm not, but I will focus on the subclinical things that are often preventing weight loss or causing resistance, just for example. But big picture, I love helping people with these nitty gritty weird symptoms that are falling through the cracks everywhere else under that inflammatory umbrella. I want to help you with as much as possible in the time we have together. So I try to include everything I need to do that or I'm transparent about what I don't include. So what I usually include are a couple of labs, both gut and nutrient labs. You can always add on more if you want or if it's needed, but I try to keep it streamlined and efficient to start. I also include one-on-one interpretation and step-by-step personalized protocols. We will tell you exactly what to do and what you can expect for results and timelines. 
and support between appointments. I have weekly office hours, messaging, and training so you can understand the basics and ask advanced questions in our face-to-face time. You're welcome to take as much or as little as you want. You can think of it like an all-you-can-eat buffet, but you can graze here or there as needed as you need support between appointments. And if we don't hear from you, we'll even check in to make sure things are going okay and that things aren't falling through the cracks. If you're a past client and if you're needed anything, you're welcome to book a call too if it's been more than a year since I've seen you. And if I need a context of anything that's going on with you right now, I am taking clients currently the last time until fall. So right now I'm accepting calls. We'll ship out our testing or your testing in May and really get started in June. So if you want to maximize this season and bring your body into balance, you can go to kristabigler.com or check the show notes and click on that program page to apply and book an intro call. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.